Private Lender Podcast, Episode 32. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from George Soros, who said, If investing is entertaining, if you're having fun, you're probably not making any money. Good investing is boring. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Hello, Lender Nation, and welcome to the Private Lender Podcast, the show dedicated to teaching private lenders how to mitigate risk and increase their yields. My name is Keith Baker, and this is episode number 32, and today I'll be speaking with John Jackson about his strategy for utilizing lease options on nice houses in nice areas. And yes, John is doing this in Texas, so you definitely want to hear how he does it, whether you invest in Texas or in other states with similar laws. And speaking of nice, let me go ahead and cut to the chase and ask that if you are even a casual listener of the Private Lender Podcast, would you do me a huge favor and please leave a rating and review at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're using to listen to and download this podcast. It would go a long way to help the show gain further exposure and to grow the lender nation. And since this podcast is free, I don't feel it's too bold to ask you for a rating and review. Fortunately, iTunes has made it easier recently. You can generally just scroll down to the bottom of any episode and click to rate and review. So once again, I would greatly appreciate it if you would do me that favor. Okay, now that my groveling is out of the way, I want to warn you, listener and Lender Nation, that this may be a difficult interview to get through today. John Jackson and I ended up cracking jokes and cutting up and laughing so much that I had to edit over 27 minutes out of the original recording because it just became too much, too far off topic and perhaps uh, a little too off color. (laughs) But before we listen to this calamity I've just described, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor. 713 RIA invites you to come out and experience one of the fastest growing RIA groups in the greater Houston area. The goal of 713 RIA is to provide quality information to every level of investor. The organizers Landon Rothstein and Ray Sasser have found that no matter where you are in the investing process, those investors who effectively network are far more successful than those who don't. And 713 RIA is geared to help you both get the information you need and provide the networking that will propel your investing. For more information, please visit 713RIA.com. That's 713REIA.com. And as always, I'd like to thank 713 RIA for their sponsorship of this show. I greatly appreciate it, Landon and Ray. It's, uh, it means a lot to have you guys supporting me here. So thanks again. And I recommend anyone listening to attend one of the 713 RIA meetings to network and to learn a ton of actionable information. And while you're there, you can say hello to me at the Private Lender Podcast vendor table. So pop in and say hello. Let's uh, let's meet. And if you have any questions, you know it's a perfect time. I'm a captive audience. You can ask me anything you want about private lending at that point. And if you're bold and daring, 
you can come out and listen to me speak. I'll be on a panel at the Quest Self-Directed IRA Expo, which is the first of its kind, at the Weston Galleria in Dallas, Texas, on August 25th and 26th, 2018. You can use promo code BAKERXPO for a 25% discount off your tickets. And you can go to the show notes page for the link to purchase your tickets and enter that promo code BAKERXPO. And as always, you can go to privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash events for details and more information on these that I just mentioned and other upcoming events. Okay, let's go ahead and get to this possibly funny and no doubt tasteless interview that I recently had with with John Jackson, the Texas lease option expert. Uh, I've cut it way down. I hope I made it uh, palatable for you to take. Uh, But I I really did have... uh, an amazing time, a really good time uh, interviewing John. It was uh, it was a bu- it was a bunch of fun, and I I hope that comes through and actually makes it in, into your ears and cracks helps you crack a smile. So let's get to it today, Lender Nation. We're pleased to bring on the show John Jackson. John is known as the Texas lease option guy, or the expert in Texas lease lease options, and he also was one of the people on the mastermind down in Cancun. So I'm sure he's going to leak a secret or two, but about that, uh, about that time we had uh, on the mastermind with Mitch Steven. But anyway, please welcome to the show, John, welcome. And thank you for coming on today. You know, I, I think I've got the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> this was, no, I was trying to this, get, I was trying to call Afratelli's. Is <laughs> Afri, no, this is, um, this is, this is the real estate 12 step hotline okay. where we, uh, I, I'm just now getting to the point where I admit that I have a problem. So uh. you, you got a you got a problem. I saw it all over you in Cancun, man. All that black label stuff, man. I, yeah, you know, it was it was so bad. Even the Mexicans were looking at you funny. <laughs> and they're used to looking at Americans funny, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what? After they saw you down there, they're like, "Yeah, build that wall. Build that freaking wall." <laughs> Keep his ass out. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need okay. more of that. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to need to go into iTunes and flip this over to explicit language because I have a feeling this show, this episode, is, if Landon was bad, this one's really going to get out of hand. So uh, We're going to get out of control, people. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much for professionalism. This is going right out the window. Anyway, all right, so enough of, uh, enough of that. Oh, go you ahead. Know, and, you, know uh, what? you know what? I'm looking at you on video, and I'm like, this is like a scene from Catch a Predator. You know, just... <laughs> That guy's going to walk out from behind me in just yeah. a minute and ask you what you're doing here. So, uh, <laughs> were you really delivering newspapers? <laughs> I was selling encyclopedias, sir. <laughs> you know, Britannica has not been in business for a while. What are you doing here? That's why I haven't been paid. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is going straight to the toilet right now. Oh, this is good. All right. So anyway, give us give us a little background. I know you you, you weren't always uh, obviously, as you can tell, John's got a, a background in, in comedy. Uh, but what else did you do for uh, real money? <laughs> 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 well, I had a van, <laughs> and I would go to car washes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd sell six by nines and I had candy. No. Um, so <laughs> you did that too. I did that, yeah. <laughs> that was before there were bird dogs, you know, so. right? Yeah. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> this has already gone off the rails. I don't oh even know. How many God. This, uh, so <laughs> I'm trying to get serious here. All right. So, um, 
yeah, so my background is uh, before real estate was in day trading. And I was a self-taught day trader. I traded uh, options. I traded stocks. And then uh, wanted to get into uh, real estate. And what I noticed when I got was looking to get into real estate is that uh, there was a lot of similarities between real estate and the stock market. One of them being um, you've got to find your niche. Another one being all markets are cyclical. And so as I looked into real estate, there were you know so many ways to make money in real estate, but I had to find my niche. And my niche did not involve buying a rental property, being at risk, making $100 a month in profit, whatever the case may be. So uh, I kept stumbling upon lease options. Well, I traded options on the stock market. And uh, I love the fact that lease options done properly required no money, no risk, and you could help people. You could help the seller, you could help the buyer and make money at the same time. So I started delving into lease options. Had no clue what I was doing zero clue. <clears throat> and the first house I did, actually the first two houses I did, I found by driving for dollars. And they were, they were literally less than a mile from where I lived. And uh, one was a for sale by owner. The other was for sale by a homebuster franchisee. And uh, <clears throat> once I did that house for homebusters, I started doing more and more and more houses for homebusters and different franchisees. And they started sending me uh, spreadsheets. Uh, like every week and I would do all these houses for homebusters and um, that's why I got started in real estate was turning houses for sub owner or homebuster franchisees so let's let's I like, I like the fact you bring up driving for dollars because that's a great way you don't have to have a big marketing budget you just need some gas in a car to get to get going and, and get started so how would uh, how would explain the process because I mean uh, you know I, I obviously private lending is an alternative investment but you know, so many people got scared and turned away from lease options after, uh, in Texas anyway, yeah. about 2005. So, you know, they said you can't do it or you can only do it for like 30 or 90 days and it's basically impossible. Don't do it to an end buyer. So I'm going to have to ask you to back that up and how did, you know, how, one, how you got into it. How is it, you know, how do you, how do you stay legal? How do you, you know, I mean, I didn't yeah. notice the, any shackles on, well, no, that's why you did come in a van to the airport down in Cancun and they took the shackles off. I didn't, I didn't. You, you know what? <laughs> I think orange looks nice in it, Mexico. It it really does, especially the pastel. Yeah. You know, the, the pastel way, looks way, really nice. By the way, I haven't seen. I can't see your ankle. Did you get that monitor off? Yeah, no, it, it came off. Um, it it <laughs> it short circuited and burned me. So I've got a I've got a pending lawsuit with the county Harris County. But hey, <laughs> other than that, you know, I mean, I'm I'm fine. I can I kept the leg, and um, I've got a big supply of hydrocodone if you want. So. Uh, <laughs> And, and Keith will be at the uh, tomorrow's real estate meeting. <laughs> I, I will be at the 713 what Rio. Exactly, what exactly are you offering? Is it private money or hydro? <laughs> uh, pr private money and pills. Uh, okay. I, like to, I like to keep it simple. All right. So back to, how, how do you strike how do the, the, the lease option? So let me back up a little bit. So there's three different types of lease options. There's the sandwich lease option where you stay in the middle of the deal. And the buyer's paying you, you pay the owner. So you're basically still building the house with an option of purchase, okay? Okay. There's a straight lease option where that's where you own the house. And instead of renting it, you're offering as a lease option. Okay. So you're getting so you, money you, down. Uh, you're getting, you know, they're taking care of the property, this and that. So that's a straight lease option. What I specialize in is lease option assignments where, uh, let's assume you've got a house there, Keith, 
and you're trying to sell it, <clears throat> hadn't sold yet. Well, I'll tell you right now, we, we just got it. We're getting a house today in our contract. Uh, here's the real deal right here. Uh, we're getting this from a contract, 320000 a house in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, we're offering 326 I think, on this house. Now, we don't... <clears throat> We offer. We put the contract here for three twenty six. We then assign that contract to the end buyer. The end buyer is somebody or a family that are they want to buy a house, but they are not quite credit worthy. They're like at a six hundred FICO, so yeah, not yeah. six forty. So they're they're close, but they're not there. <clears throat> That's who we work with. So we assign the contract to them. In this case, for twelve thousand dollars, they pay is that. that is that their down payment of twelve yep. grand is yep. going to be their down payment? Yep. Okay. So they pay us twelve thousand. That'll show in the HUD when they go to get financed. They'll show in the HUD as the uh, earnest money. Okay. The buy the owner is getting uh, cash flow. In this case, they're getting almost seven hundred dollars a month cash flow each month. So they're super happy. And the buyers are going to get a. They're going to take good care of the property. They're going to get financed within uh, you know ten to twelve months. Now you say the seven hundred cash flow. That's after the mortgage payment is yep. made. Yep. Yep. And in this okay. particular case, yeah. So the owner is going to cash flow. They're going to get full price, no commission, and the buyer is going to take great care of the property and get financed within ten to twelve months. So it's 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 called a rent to own, but I hate to use the term rent to own because that sounds like you know uh, a refrigerator or a you know <laughs> a big screen TV. That's sure, what it is is rent to own. Now, now you brought up uh, Texas <clears throat> um, in two thousand five, late two thousand five. Uh, Texas had. Uh, you know, each state has property code. They have right. operational code and property code. In 2005, uh, Texas, Texas property code addressed uh, contract for deed, but did not address lease options. So they drafted legislation about lease options, and the original law was a complete disaster. Uh, it was a complete mess. It just basically said that lease options is the same as a contract for deed, and that you cannot do an executory contract on a house that had a mortgage. Okay, so let's back it up right there. Exit to, uh, let's go over to some of these terms real quick for people who aren't familiar, please. Yeah, all right, so, so let me back up. So in real estate, there's owner finance, contract for deed, and lease option. Now owner finance, like what Mitch does, is where you sell a house and you give them a mortgage, which is a note, and you give them the deed, the property. Mm-hmm. So if they default, you have to foreclose on them. Okay. Right. Yeah. And there's a contract for deed. <clears throat> contract for deed is where <clears throat> you sell them the house, owner finance, and they get the mortgage, you know, the note, but they don't get the deed. They don't get the deed till they pay off the house. It's a contract for that deed. Okay. Now, <clears throat> now investors used to love in Texas, we used to love doing a contract for deed, also called a, also called a land contract. They right. love doing a contract for deed because uh, they would sell a house basically owner finance, but not give the note. I mean, I'm sorry, not give the deed. So if they mm-hmm. defaulted, they just, forecl- uh, they just evicted them. Gotcha. Well, in 2000, <clears throat> a tornado, uh, in March of 2000, a tornado went through downtown Fort Worth, took out uh, the Bank One building, and uh, took out uh, a neighborhood just east of downtown Fort Worth. That neighborhood uh, consists of a number of properties. Uh, some people in Texas will call it a colonista. It's basically where a bunch of uh, people live that don't have social security numbers. You know, they're coming from Mexico. 
they uh, maybe they buy tens, maybe they don't. They're buying them at the time contract for deed. Gotcha. So, so the neighborhood. So I'm sorry. So the tornado took out that neighborhood. <clears throat> when it did, you had all these people that had no homes. So they called the investment company that owned this neighborhood, basically owned all these houses. And it turns out, uh oh, the investment company wasn't paying insurance. Oh. Yeah. So. What happened? What happened then is Mike Moncrief, who is the representative at the time of District Twelve, uh, contacted uh, Charles Newman, who's a, an amazing real estate attorney uh, in Fort Worth, and they drafted legislation about contract for deed. And so, Title Two, Chapter Five of the Texas Property Code was dramatically, dramatically changed. And so, what happened is after that, the, the laws were so arduous that investors just stopped doing contract for deed because it was it was you know, very, 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 very strict. So a contract, so a contract for deed was lumped into a, which it is, it's an executory contract. An executory contract is a contract to be executed. So to make sense of that, an owner finance, if I sell a house owner finance, they get a mortgage and they get the deed. That, that contract is executed. Contract for deed is to be executed. In other words, it hasn't been executed yet. Until they finish paying it off. Until they finish paying off. Gotcha. So that's an executory contract is to be executed. Well, in 2005, uh, Texas drafted uh, uh, legislation about, and this, you know, it's not like Texas is a bad state to real estate in. It's just that there were some people that were doing some shady things, mainly down in, uh, uh, along the river, along, along the Rio Grande. Uh, Houston and even down uh, McAllen, you know, just uh, Beaumont, that area, <clears throat> taking advantage of Mexicans. And uh, they were doing all kinds of things, uh, like literally taking like a, a John Deere tractor and clearing a swath of land, putting up what I call Cracker Jack houses, you know, just mm-hmm. bop, 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 cookie cutter. Well, the land had never been platted. Or there were uh, selling houses that were in foreclosure. Uh, or, you know, doing all kinds of things. <clears throat> Obviously, they weren't closing at title companies. No, no, exactly. Okay, so that's how they were able to. So they go to get pulled the wool. Like, oh, there's no, no, there's no survey. This, that, whatever. They're doing all kinds of things. Anyway, so Texas drafted legislation about lease options. Now, people think about Texas. You can't do lease options in Texas. What they never talk about is North Carolina or Massachusetts. They've got laws about lease options. Matter of fact, they had laws before Texas about lease options. Via Texas considered you know, some sort of demon state that you can't do lease options here. Um, but anyway, so they drafted le- uh, legislation about lease options and the original draft was horrible. It just basically said the lease option is an executory contract and you cannot do an executory contract on a house that has a mortgage. So that's going to put leasing to buy my business out of, out of business. Right. Unless you own it outright. Unless and you, you can own it lease outright. Option. And now it's only it's a, basically the same as a contract for deed, which is ridiculous. Because lease option and contract for deed is totally, totally, totally different. So uh, we all jumped on the bandwagon and uh, uh, all the investors in Texas at the time, we were at the time faxing <laughs> our representatives. Uh, uh, I know fax, yeah. Uh, uh, calling, uh, going down to Austin, this and that. And uh, they changed the law. And I shouldn't say they changed the, the bill before it got passed and signed by Rick Perry. So the the final bill was totally totally different, but apparently a lot of investors and even attorneys didn't read the final bill, 
And, uh, but this is my baby. This is my business. So I read the bill. I stay up till two or three in the morning going line by line by line. What applies, what doesn't apply? What applies, what doesn't apply? And I think it's important to, to note because even if you're listening to, the, to this podcast and you're not from Texas, um, you know, your state has property code no matter what state you're in. And you're going to hear all kinds of rumors. You go to real estate groups, you go to, you know, online real estate forums. We won't mention by name, but like bigger pockets. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Josh Dorkin, you owe me money for that plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, and but by the way, Josh, uh, in case he ever listens, I can, I, can you imagine Josh being so bored? He listens to your podcast. I, I only on his deathbed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the point is, uh, it's not about uh, anti, but I appreciate your confidence. Nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, uh, you know, you're going to get all kinds of information out there on real estate. Um, and you've got to take it with what it, what it's worth. Is it off somebody who's trolling a, a forum or whatever, or trolling a, uh, man, I go speak at real estate groups. Dude, I see the same people at every real estate group and they haven't done a deal yet. And it's been like <laughs> yeah. six, seven years, you know, and they just, they show up and just <clears throat> pretend like they know everything, but they haven't done a deal. But the point is understand where you're getting your, where you're getting your information from. And no matter what state you're in, whether you're doing, uh, 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 owner finance, uh, lease options, whatever the deal is, whatever it is you're doing, you, you want to know the laws and read them yourself. Um, <clears throat> so I read the law, went line by line, and realized that, okay, we've got to make some adjustments to our contracts. I spent about $30,000 in legal fees going to um, different real estate attorneys and different firms, uh, always tightening them up, make them better, better, better. And uh, we didn't slow down a bit. So that's been since October well, September of 2005, and here it is 2018, 13 years, we're still going strong. One, congratulations that too. I, I want to back up a little bit because, <clears throat> you know, the the notion that lease options are illegal in Texas and whatnot. Actually, I got it from a RIA meeting and it was an attorney. And one thing, you know, I am by no means uh, a real estate expert or guru, but one thing I have noticed in, in my tenure, my limited tenure is that when you go to a, an attorney, you're paying for an opinion. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you're getting is, that, is an that's opinion. Great. I love that. And two, no two attorneys are going to have the same opinion. They, may, they might have similar, <clears throat> sorry, similar opinions, but they're never going to be the same. And nobody knows how it's going to play out really until you, it gets tested in court. And even then, so it, there's still, it, even, there's nothing black and white. And when you say, you know, consider your source, I, I, Absolutely, because you know the, the attorney that was saying you can't do lease options, he got all of his money off of probate and document um, yep. generation. Yep. So he wanted to, he wanted to, he wanted to write up deeds of trust and promissory notes for everybody, and that's where he wanted to steer his business. So lease options, since he didn't understand it and he didn't do it, didn't fit into his you know uh, wheelhouse his, his wheelhouse and what he would what he would speak about, and it angered some people. Uh, but at least he was honest and said, you know, he finally at the end, he kind of admitted like, you know, it's not my area or whatever, but this is what I understand. But, you know, check it out. So I always, you know, my thing is, OK, go find three attorneys and ask them what their opinion is. And then if you have to pay one, pay one. So, you know, uh, that's a that's a great point is that uh, attorneys are giving you their opinion. And um, I've actually trained or yeah, I've had actually, I've actually had real estate attorneys come to me and either buy my training materials or call me and ask me questions about lease options. Uh, I've actually, I still remember this. There was a real estate attorney in Austin and he called me uh, a super nice guy and everything. <clears throat> and he asked me, he said, how, 
he asked me, how, how can you do a lease option here in Texas if it has a mortgage because the, the law requires that the seller have fee simple title? In other words, this real estate attorney didn't know the difference between fee simple title and a mortgage. Now, this is an attorney. You, yeah, this is an attorney. And we're gonna and we're gonna go now. We're gonna break down fee simple title for for the listener, please. Yeah, fee simple title, and that's fee f e e, not free. Fee simple title. That's how we hold title in the state of Texas. It's considered absolute title. It's considered the purest form of title. Title and mortgage have nothing to do with each other. It's like title on a car. You can have the title on a car. I mean, I mean you can have a car, but it still have a payment on it. <clears throat> in in real estate. Uh, in Texas, you have fee simple title. That is how we hold title in the state of Texas. You can have a mortgage on the house, but still have fee simple title. So if you go to the tax records on any house and you pull up the owner, you pull up the information, that owner has fee simple title. It has nothing to do with a mortgage. Yet this real estate attorney didn't know the difference. Interesting. And I had to explain to him the difference between mortgage and title. So in, in real estate, you buy a house, you get the title. You may have a mortgage on it, but you have fee simple title. That's right. You get, yeah. Yeah, you, get, you, you, you get title to the house or you get the deed to the, yeah, the, the, the yeah. general warranty or in some cases uh, we sell a special warranty deed. But you, you, the house is yours. You are the owner. If there's a mortgage, the bank has a lien. Right. They, they have, they are the, if there's going to be any transaction, that bank has to say, okay, our lien is, is going to be released. But that person owns the house. So, I, yeah, so the fee simple is the person who owns the house. The mortgage is just who has the lien so, in this case. So the private lender in this case would have the lien on the house and the buyer, the end buyer is the owner. So in Texas, what you cannot do, and I want everybody to understand this, you cannot do what's called a sandwich lease option. Oh, okay. Now, what is a sandwich lease option? A sandwich lease option is an A, B, B, C transaction. What I mean by that is, you as the investor stay in the middle. So you're the B partner. Mm-hmm. So you negotiate with the owner, a lower price, a lower monthly payment, and then you're on the hook for that monthly payment. But then you stick a sign in the yard and says, hey, no credit check, lease option, whatever. Mm-hmm. The buyer comes along, <clears throat> maybe you've got a contract for 170,000 and 1,400 a month, whatever. You'd then lease option for say two hundred thousand and seventeen hundred a month as an example. So yeah. you're making that cash flow each month. So you're making the three hundred dollar difference between the monthly payment, right? And you're getting and the down payment. You're getting the down payment plus you'll have the equity or yep. the difference between the one seventy sales price and the two hundred. So there's three there's three uh, uh, three payments in a sandwich lease option. There's a down payment, the monthly cash flow, and then when they cash you out, you got the equity. Right. Okay. Sandwich lease option. So it's an ABBC transaction. You're staying in the middle. Okay. You cannot do a sandwich lease option in Texas because what we just talked about, the seller has to have fee simple title. Well, in a sandwich lease option on the BC side, you as the investor are the seller. You don't have fee simple title. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. No. A, a does the seller, the actual seller. Right. The actual, the actual seller. Yeah. A A has fee simple title, but it right. doesn't convey to C the invite. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, um, so in this, so you can't down, you cannot do a sandwich lease option, which um, I, I've only done two sandwich lease options ever, and the first one I only lost thirteen hundred dollars. The other one I stopped counting at ten thousand in the hole. Were the were those in Texas? Yep. That's before the law changed. 
I had, I was very green. I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought, oh, I can make money at this. Yeah, I had no clue what I was doing. Okay. Well, appreciate your candid, your candor there and your honesty. <clears throat> but with the way I do lease options uh, is, is assignments. So I have no risk. I will not lose money on lease option. I have no money at risk. Uh, nobody pulls my credit. I'm just assigning my contract. Just like so, you do in a, in a wholesale deal. Th- that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. I was, I was just going to say, this is like wholesaling on the lease option side. Yeah. So you're marketing for the properties. You do have you do have some money and you have skin in the game in the sense that you you've got to go find the properties, whether it's driving for dollars or whatever marketing. Yeah, yeah. Like well, um, but as far as the, the in the in the in the I'm sorry in the transaction, you have no you have no money in no credit. It's you lock up the, the from the buyer what their terms they want, and then you sweeten the deal and just flip it over to the in in buyer the the lease to owner or rent to owner, and then you get the down payment. Yep. And you, there's no, there's no difference in the monthly payment. You're just getting that, um, you're just getting that down payment money, basically. Yeah. So in the lease option assignment, there's one payday, and that's the assignment, just like a wholesale deal. Even, but uh, the difference is we are not discounting the house. We're offering full price. Uh, so if, the, like in this case, the owner wanted 320, we put the contract together at 326. So we're going to get full price. We're going to get uh, 12000 down on this house. And uh, the owner's going to cash flow, in this case, almost $700. But uh, we only get paid one time. That's the down payment. So you'll get your down payment of 12000 and yeah. and go on your merry way. Now, do you, do you uh, follow up and make sure that the, the C buyer ends up executing and, and buys the property or do you yeah. repeat, rinse and repeat, so to so, speak? Yeah. So once the buyer gets in the house, I change my cell phone number. I got, I've got a burn phone. <laughs> I, I thought you just did that for your girlfriends. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> no, we've got, we put them in place with uh, credit improvement. We've got the financing in place. And, and plus the people we work with, uh, Keith, they're very close to financing. In other words, uh, this is not a no money down, no credit check, no problem. No, you better have, you got to have 4% down or 5% on that price of the house and we're going to make sure DTI looks good. We pull a tri-merge. We do everything. The tri-merge is that the three, three bureau credit yeah, three, three reports with the, okay. with, the, with the score. Yeah. And I'm curious, who do you, you know, I had uh, Paul Ritter on the show earlier and he does a lot of the makes people bankable and mortgageable afterwards. So I, I do have a, a sense of that process, but I, I like that you, you're only picking potential people who are going to be able, if they do their homework, they're going to be able to be mortgageable and cash out, fully execute and cash out that contract. Yeah. So, I, so the first thing I look at is debt to income, DTI, um, okay. which most people, again, most people in this business, they don't give a shit. Uh, can I say people on this podcast? Um, we're, look, you can say people. Okay. Um, so, it, so most people don't care. They're like, hey, if you've got the down payment, you're in which may work for owner finance, but not for lease option where you're trying to help the seller. Mm-hmm. You get just any deadbeat in there that has the money down. You don't give a crap about DTI or if they're going to get financed. Man, you just basically hose two people, the seller and right. the buyer. Right. So we look at debt to income. I, I do a tri-merge report uh, and uh, we look to make sure that they're going to get fi- financeable. So in other words, uh, I turn more people down than I do approve. Now so you're talking. You're talking about people trying to buy houses. Or you're talking about the women that you approach. Yes, I turned. I, t- I turned down most <laughs> women that, that approach me. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I mean, that's my last one. I'm sorry. That's my last one. That's oh God. I, you know what? Suddenly I want to download your, uh, suddenly I'm going I'm to subscribe to your podcast now. Oh no, don't do that. You'll, 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 you'll give me a, you'll, you'll be the fourth person. So don't, don't do you do have that. like a half star on iTunes? Um, there's a negative, there's a thumb down. There's like a, 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 a thumb, YouTube thumbs down. <laughs> and um, there's some, I believe there's some rotten tomatoes you can drag and drop over onto the. Uh... <laughs> this is your, your podcast goes right next to girls gone wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am. It was funny to mention that because I'm going to be releasing a compilation at the end of the year. And it's going to be on VHS, just like girls. Gone wild. <laughs> put her, no, no, dude, go old school. Put it on beta. <laughs> put it on beta max. There you go. Yeah. Oh, laser disc. <laughs> oh my God. I saw Anyway, um, now we're showing our age. But anyway, back to uh, you look, you're, help, you're actually trying to help people. Unlike me right now, where I'm just trying to be funny and being a jerk. But you actually try to help, <laughs> people, to help people, put I people in that I the house that's ready for finance. So, okay, yeah. So I turn a lot of people down because they've got the money down. But I know, dude, you're, you know, 52% DTI. I can't help you. Right. Not in this house. So uh, I look at debt to income. That's a huge thing. Uh, the scores. Uh, the world file, and can we get can we get them financed in a year? So you look at, at a twelve month window to get them. Yeah, so we put a twelve month contract together with the owner. Now, simply we'll talk about doing a five year lease option or something like that, guys. Here's something that's very very important. The longer the term, this is important, guys. The longer the term of the lease option, the less likely the buyer will finance. That makes sense. So if you do a five-year lease option and you get a buyer in there, dude, they're gonna—they're not gonna buy that house. Because guess what happens in five years? Divorce, kids leave the house, they're gonna downsize, they're moving, relocation, whatever. Yeah, I want—I want our success rate, Keith, is unheard of in the business. Um, it's about as close as you can get to 100 percent, but I'll, I'll call it 98 percent of our buyers get financed within 12 months. That's because you put them through the program. Right, it's part of through a program. Okay. Now, in the and I don't know what this this figure came up with, but this is pretty pretty solid across the board. Uh, the uh, the standard for people getting finance and lease options across the nation is about twenty percent. Really, we're almost at a hundred percent. So how how are you doing things differently? To, well, to- first of all, we're working with nice houses, nice areas. So I will not do an eighty thousand dollar, you know, uh, I will not do lease option uh, a thirty thousand dollar Landon Rothstein house. I don't blame you. I, I, I would stay far, far away from that. <laughs> so we deal with houses that are, that are 200000 and above. So like this house right now, uh, 320000 Yeah, I'll say that's a house. Yeah, it's, that's, yeah, it's nice. You're not, you're, so you're not going to get people you know, that, have, you know, that make you know, 50000 a year applying for this house. Or if they do, I'm going to say no. We're going to put it down. So, so we, deal with, we deal with nice houses, nice areas, above 200000 then when the application comes in, we look at, again, debt to income. What's the tri-merge look like? How quickly can we get them financed? Is there a bankruptcy, foreclosure, short sale, anything like that on the report? So we're looking to make sure they can get financed within, within 12 months. Okay. That's, uh, that's interesting. 12 months, nice, nice houses, nice areas, and people who are, are able to get refinanced in 12 months. Now, so when Landon and I, it's funny you should mention his house, his 30,000 <laughs> houses. He, he and I have, have, have owned or financed a, you know, a few in that, in that price range. And it's, um, you know, 
there's I'm curious because the demographic that we're serving is uh, primarily blue collar, pri- primarily Hispanic and primarily on the east side of, of Houston is what we what we found as, as far as like our bread and butter custom yeah. when they want to buy, you know, the the house. So, we you know, it helps that uh, Landon's wife can speak Spanish because that, that really helps out a lot of the, the yeah. stuff for us. So and I'm, I'm curious as to your avatar, your target demo demographic or audience, who's, okay. who's your average, you know, uh, person that you're putting in to these homes? Okay, that's a good question. Uh, totally different. Uh, totally different uh, avatar. We're looking at people that basically it's a husband. Normally, it's a family, husband and wife, two kids. Uh, and the household income is over 100000 Okay. Or close to 100000 100, Close to 100000 maybe a little bit above. So, it may be that she's a nurse and he works for Bell Helicopter. Something like that, you know. Gotcha. Uh, professionals, basically. Professional, professional family. Yeah. So they just so, ruined her credit or hit some hard times. Nothing or happened. Whatever. You know, um, you know maybe, he, maybe they were divorced three years ago. Yeah. And got remarried. But now they're still, you know. You, you know what? Uh, I've helped people that make a, a, so much money. They make so much money. But yet they went through a divorce. And, man, they took the freaking licks. Mm-hmm. You know? And, yeah. And uh, uh, it doesn't matter if you make you know, 50,000 or half a million a year, man, you go through a divorce, man, you're going to, you're going to take some licks, you know? Yeah. Yes, indeed. I've, I, I, one of my, one of my former jobs, I worked for a light company and we would see where husbands would get the divorce decree from the judge. I had to leave the lights on in their name and the wife would just run up the bill oh and, my God. And, and never pay it. Not to hate on women, but I saw this quite often. And it also, it also went the other way. Some deadbeat husbands would do the same thing, but because of the divorce decree, there's nothing that other spouse can do yeah. except, except get the lights cut off because they're not living in the house and yet it's still in their name. And now it's hitting their credit and on and on and on and on. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I know divorce is a, it's a, it's an ugly, ugly situation, no matter how easy it is or how difficult. So we, so we've helped people that have gone through a divorce in the past, but like I said, you know, they're solid people. They just, you know, and then literally, dude, I pulled so many credit reports Uh, back in the day we used to, people would, this is schooling me, I mean, this is aging me, people would fax their applications in. I could look at their application, just their, their handwriting, and tell whether I would approve them or not. And because I, uh, this sounds like this just should be a law against discriminating against handwriting, John. I, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the tough ones, you know what, the tough ones, the tough ones to, uh, to disseminate were the ones that were sent in by Braille. By Braille, oh, uh, that's, a Braille fax machine, huh? A Braille fax machine. <laughs> you are really dating yourself now. <laughs> so, okay, all right. So you brought up the the, the the handwriting, the penmanship. So what was was it? The neater, the more likely got, they were. I know uh, this is a podcast. I've got. Okay, right now I'm seeing I'm seeing behind John. He's in his office. He's got a leather couch. He's got a a big screen TV that has an has an actress on it that Landon likes. I think her name is Nikki Benz back there. <laughs> Nikki uh, Benz. That sounds like something you get when you fly to Vail. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I will have to ask Landon next time he's at a $30,000 house. So uh, I know this is a podcast. People can't see this, but here's an example. Uh, I just happen to have this up here. So here's a cashier's check, okay? All right. That's $7,000. Yeah. Cashier's checks, Suburban Bank and Trust. And so when the guy sent this to me, he emailed me, he said, hey, did you get my cashier's check? I said, yeah, I sure did. I said, next time you should put it on 24-pound paper. 24-pound paper? This is fake. Uh-huh. I can tell just by feeling it. 
Right. Yeah. Here, no, absolutely. Yeah. Here's a, there was a guy that uh, sent his application in and this is years ago. I could just tell, I was like, eh, something's not right here. This guy was a truck driver. There's, I was like, man, something's not right here. So I said, Hey, just for our records, uh, since you're self-employed, just go ahead and send me your last bank statement in just so we can have it for a file. Yeah. So he sent it in. He, yeah, he faxed it to me again. This goes way back. He faxed it to me and he, he called me, Hey, did you get that? Uh, did you get my bank statement? I, got, I said, I sure did. It's from Wachovia. Okay. Business checking. Uh, I got I'm holding this up to the camera. You can't see this. Cause yeah. It's yeah it's Wachovia he said, bank. He said, Hey, did you get the, my bank statement? I said, I sure did. I said, Hey, you may want to call Wachovia. Cause deposit doesn't have an E in it. <laughs> He misspelled it. That's hilarious. He and I said, oh, by the way, they forgot to carry the one, the penny. So oh. every number was a penny off. Oh, that's, that is, isn't, isn't that cute? His response was, <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, you look into that. Why don't you, why don't you call Keith? Yeah call, call, yeah, yeah, call Keith. He'll look into it. He'll look yeah, into back it. To me. <laughs> but, you know. So I have I have a saying in in my real estate dealings. It, it's it, and I'm not a religious person, but I do like to say, "In God we trust. All other pay with certified funds." That's right. That's the way I keep it. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so um, yeah. So the but the bottom line is is how do how why is our success rate almost 100 percent? Nice houses, nice areas, uh, and um, we screen the buyer. They yes. the, the DTI better be there. Uh, you know, I can look at a report and tell, okay, something happened three years ago. Let me guess, you got a divorce. Something happened, you know, by looking at the report. Because you can see, great credit, then bam, then a dip. Right. Now they're rebuilding. You know what? That's who I want to help. I want to help the people that are rebuilding. They're almost there. I don't want to help the people that are on the way down. Anyway, with my program, I mean. I mean, get that crap taken care of. Right. Then come back to me. No, I, 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 I totally see that. Yeah, you're if someone's on the slide down, you're, you're not going to be able to help them. And like yeah. you said, you're doing a disservice to both sides of the equation. The dust hadn't even settled yet. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm curious, like, so when you, when you get one of these buyers, what, are, what do you have to, I'm, obviously there's going to be some, there's some, there's some fees to pull credit and yeah. background and all that. I'm just, so like if I was, uh, let's say my lovely wife comes home any minute now and dumps me and I need, uh, I go through a divorce and I come to you, what, what does it cost me just to get started? Not down payment, just, yeah. you know, for it's, you to take a look at me. It's 40 bucks. That's it? Okay. For the application, wow. yeah. Application fee of $40. That's, that's reasonable. Okay. And obviously, you know, do you look at your down payments as a percentage of the contract or just? Yeah, so, so we get about 4% down on a, on a house that's going to go jumbo, which I don't want to, you know, I don't want to confuse the audience, but uh, if it's going to go jumbo, in other words, outside of FHA, right. I'm going to get about 5% down. Okay. Well, the, reason is, the reason is I want, when they go to get finance, I want them to, to not have to come up with, you know, a massive amount of money. Right. What, what, what's the limit on jumbo? Is it 650, 700? What is the, the, well, the, the well di- different lenders are different, but basically you're going to use 660 for jumbo. I mean, FICO score. Well, the FICO score of 660, but what, what, um, what amount well, co- well, co- uh, constitutes a jumbo loan? Well, and, I, and I should say conventional. I, uh, I said jumbo, but if outside of FHA, they're going to go conventional. They're going to need 5% down. Okay. okay. We really don't do many houses that are going to go into jumbo, and I, I, I should have clarified that. Okay, no problem. That's, um, that's not a problem. I, I haven't had much coffee today, so that's um, <laughs> not an issue. Oh, so you're going to so, go so, conventional. So, so, so basically, though, I mean, if you look at FHA guidelines, so you're, you know, they're, what, 3.5% down anyway. Yeah. 
Uh, so we're you're, getting, and we're getting four percent. So you're and, not, yeah. Yeah, and FHA loan limits vary county by county, but here in Tarrant County, it's three seventy one. Okay, which is probably the same as is there in Harris County. Probably, probably pretty close. Probably pretty, yeah. I'd say they would be similar uh, with the the different neighborhoods and whatnot. So, uh, okay. So, 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 so we're going to get four percent down. Uh, so their down payments basically taken care of at the time of finance. They're going to come come up with a little bit of closing cost, but not much. So what was it? You know, the typical escrow fee. Yeah, yeah. So, and- so nothing change on the closing cost. Nothing changes the way we have our contracts. And again, our contracts are very very specific. This is not some one page BS contract. This is a nineteen page document, and it states who's paying what closing cost. So nice. nothing changes. It's, it's as if they're just buying the house for sale by owner, and they go to get financing. So the owner's going to pay. The owner's going to pay survey if they don't have one. The buyer's going to pay uh, appraisal. Um, origination fees, half escrow fees, that type of stuff. Okay. So escrow, or you just say origination. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to write this down quickly. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the buyer's <laughs> going to pay the same thing as if they were just buying the house outright. The only difference is that they're going to have a, a year of rental payments to get refinanced. Yes. Does, the, does their monthly payment go towards the purchase price at all? Okay, good question. So in the world of lease options, people uh, – are familiar with what's called rent credits. A rent credit is where a portion of the payment goes towards the purchase. Say, for example, we used to do $300 a month. Well, we have to change as the lenders change. So lenders stopped liking rent credits. Oops. Okay. I'm closing the screen here. So lenders stopped liking rent credits, say $300 a month, rent credit. Mm -hmm. Because if they saw a rent credit on a, on a contract, it'd throw up a red flag and they go, okay, well, we got to do a rent rate appraisal, a rent rate appraisal. What that means is if you're charging, let's say, $1,300 a month, but offering $300 a month rent credit, the lender will go, wait a minute, how much is rent rate? And they'll do a rent rate appraisal. And if the rent rate for that neighborhood is, say, $1,300, mm-hmm. it disallows the rent credit. So now you've screwed over the seller and the buyer accidentally. So in other words, you'd have to charge $1,600 a month to get that $300 a month rent credit. So in, in layman's terms, and in my simple-mindedness here, yeah. so basically what they're, they're now taking a conventional or a, a residential mortgage and now treating it, treating the property, doing like, uh, forgetting comps and now looking at it, what kind of cash flow it would bring in. Yeah, well, it, because if you're offering a rent, a rent credit of, say, $300 a month, you better be charging $300 a month above above what the rent rate so, in that area so okay we just uh so going back to your question does a part does what they pay every month go towards the purchase we don't do that anymore what we do is we just do a seller, a flat seller concession now for those of you all listening a seller concession is simply where the seller is contributing a certain amount towards the buyer's closing cost they don't write a check for it they don't come up with cash it just comes off their side of the hud so, so for example, Keith, if I was buying a house from you and I said, Hey, I've got the down payment. Uh, I want to buy this house from you, but you know what? I'm going to be a little bit short on closing costs. Can you contribute say 3,600 bucks? You, you pay 3,600 bucks of my closing cost. You don't write a check for it. It just comes off your side of the HUD. Does that make sense? Right. Absolutely. So, so what we do is we just do a flat seller concession of 3,600. 
So, so part of the monthly payment is not going towards the purchase. It's just when they, anytime they get financed within 12 months, they're getting normally 3,600 bucks concession. Okay. So it, it seems like a, a, a clean little workaround. Yeah. So, so, so we saw for $300 a month, right? Rent credit. Well, 300 times 12 is 3,600. That's where right. it came up to 3,600, $3,600. Yeah. Cool. And done. Uh, okay. Quite interesting. And you've been doing this for, you, you went, you, you did this through the great recession even. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, is great about lease options. Um, I started this in '03. Now in '03, if you could fog a mirror, you could get financed, right? Right. That's how I got my first house. Yeah, you could fog a mirror, uh, and um, so through '03, '04, '05. Oh my gosh, Texas law changed. Okay, kept going. '06, '07, bam. Man, I, I've uh, done a ton of properties for investors. Matter of fact, uh, I forgot. I forgot this call. I've got an investor in California that has a house here. She did a 1031 exchange and um, um, she's in California, but the house is here like literally like 10 minutes away and uh, she wants to lease option it through us. So I've helped a lot of uh, investors that bought properties that um, especially when the market took a downturn, man, they were upside down. Sure. You know, and, and thinking about lease option, the way I structure them is, I don't need equity. The house can be, you know, they can owe basically what it's worth and I can lease option. Sure. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't have to, you, you break that home investors model, right? Of 70%. Yeah. 70%. Yeah, exactly. So this is, you're, and this, you're able to, de- so where someone would, wouldn't normally be able to dispose of the house, this gives them a little time, gives them, gives them some monthly cash flow. Yep. <clears throat> and, and, and even if it, even if they break even on the house, it's it's still better than calling a wholesaler. Yeah, I mean, because uh, there's different levels of desperation. When I do my uh, two-day uh, training, I break down the different levels of desperation. And there's for sale by owner, for rent by owner, MLS. Uh, then there's um, wholesale subject to foreclosure. Mm-hmm. That just basically broke down the levels of desperation for those of you all listening. And at every level, except, uh, well, we, I, do, I do some wholesaling. That's not my bread and butter. But, you know, uh, I do some wholesaling, but at every level they're leasing to buy can help them until they get to the point where they're behind on payments. Right. So for sub owner, boom, for, for, for rent by owner, MLS. And that's something that I did uh, years ago. I do something that's unheard of in the business. Uh, I actually market to listed houses. Do you really? Yeah. Years ago I was like, man, there was no handbook for marketing to, you know, to market. There was no, I don't even know if Craigslist was around. Uh, and uh, I finally was like, man, who the hell wants to sell their house? Who? And I was like racking my brain about who, how can I market to people? Who wants to sell their houses? And it finally dawned on me. I know who wants to sell their houses. The people that have their house for sale. How'd you figure that out? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I will actually market. I actually send uh, direct mail to listed houses. We fish in the pond where the fish are biting. Boom, baby. You know, I mean, yeah. Okay. Now you, when you, when you market to listed houses, how do you handle realtor fees? That's a whole, it's actually super simple. And if you, if you're okay with getting into it on this podcast, we can get into it. Yeah. I mean, I just want to know, you know, do the realtors keep their, you know, traditionally it's a 6% transaction yeah. fee at closing. So do they, do you, do you honor it or not honor, but do you keep the 6% going to the realtor? Okay. So here's what happens. So I, I hit listed houses that meet my criteria with uh, very, very specific mail pieces. 
what happens, Keith, is the owner calls me. Hey, I got your piece in the mail, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, I do my 60-second spiel. I send them the numbers. And then they'll, they may say, okay, well, how does this work with – my house is listed. How does this work with my agent? And I said, well, that's up to you. You want to let your agent know they're, you're looking to market it as a lease purchase, but let, you know, please let your agent know. But that, you know, as far as how they get paid, that's up to you. You may have uh, you know, checked your contract. There may be a flat amount that's in the contract, which I often right. put, they often put in there. Uh, but if you want to pay them, you know, any, whatever you pay them is up between you and them. So no, in, other, in other words, I have nothing to do with it. I, I understand. I never had a conversation with the agent, but I told them, you contact your agent, let them know. Now, I don't follow up and go, oh, did, did you make sure? Did you talk to your agent? Let me see something writing. I just go, hey, contact your agent. So there's a video of me closing a house. Uh, I should probably put it up on the web. There's a video of me closing a house, uh, which is super, super easy to do. And you see the, the buyer. She's so, so happy. You see that buyer walk out to the yard and she pulls my sign up right across the sidewalk is the agent sign. Oh, really? It's in the video. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, I, you're, yeah, you're not, you're not contractually obligated to that, no. to the, the agent, but the, the seller is. The seller, so I'm like, Hey, you, you contact the agent, let them know what you're doing. And, and whatever you pay them, you know, as far as how much they, they make, well, that's between you and them, you right. pay him or her, you know, uh, there may be a flat amount in your, in your contract. Um, but I tell them, I tell them this, Keith, I say, do not cancel that contract unless you just despise your agent. Let's face <laughs> it. There are agents that are just horrible. Okay. That's human no. race. But I say, yeah. unless, you just, unless you just despise your agent, don't cancel the contract because that's removing an avenue of marketing. Right. And I say, I approach it as if this were my house. What, I, what would I want? Well, I won't have every avenue available. It's my freaking house. Absolutely. So I said, do not cancel that contract unless you just despise the agent. And so, so like uh, literally as you and I are talking, I just got, I just got a, an email from a student who just got another, her second house in her contract. And uh, it's, it's in a little Elm. So that's going to be probably uh, well, I'm pulling up right now. That's probably going to be a $350,000 house. But uh, again, so she, uh, probably did a mailing to this owner. Uh, let me see here. It's three, I'm sorry, 282,000. So almost a $300,000, $300,000 house. She just got her contract. Hmm. Nice house up in little, Oh wow. It's a nice house up in little Elm, which is, uh, up north of the, by the colony by Lake Louisville. Um, is that the Dallas Fort Worth area? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah. And boom, she just got this one. This just got this sucker in her contract. Um, and it looks like a, it looks like a freaking brand new house. I mean, it's not, but I mean, the point is that this is what we do. I'm looking at right now, beautiful hardwood floors, nice paint, nice. I mean, this is a nice house. Um, beautiful kitchen, granite countertops. So, I mean, that's the kind of house we work with. I'm looking at it right now. Nice houses in nice areas. Two story house. Yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned, you know, that this is a student's, uh, Go ahead and tell us a little bit about your, your, your training. Yeah, so I offer uh, training through leaseoptionclasses.com. Uh, again, that's leaseoptionclasses.com. Uh, we've got uh, my uh, training materials that you can get there. Uh, I also offer um, one-on-one coaching that we also offer. Uh, we can go to leaseoptionclasses.com and uh, find out more about that. 
If you want to see what we, if you want to see actual deals we do, you can go to my website, which is leasingtobuy.com. You can, so you can go to leasing to buy and see the actual deals that we're doing. That's my real estate site. My training site is leaseoptionclasses.com. So leasing to buy is what you're doing personally and lease option classes is your, your training. Okay. Yeah. Got that down. All right. And if uh, you got, you got, you got a little something sweet in the deal for private lender podcast listeners. I do. I do. Uh, if you go to leaseoptionclasses.com uh, forward slash private lender, uh, I would charge you twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you would normally pay. Hey, you know what? Uh, before I give the offer away, uh, I actually just uh, contributed, helped write uh, a book that's coming out in August. Rock and roll. It's uh, called Real Estate, uh, Real Estate Rock Stars. Okay. I just helped co-author that. So it's coming out in August. So keep an eye out for that. But as far as the offer, yeah. If, if they go to leaseoptionclasses.com forward slash offer, and for those of you from Mississippi, that's two F's. <laughs> if you can afford, you can afford, if you got afford slash offer, you can actually get uh, my entire training course for uh, half off. Wow, half off. That that's all jokes aside. That's uh, that's substantial. Thank you for that. When you uh, figure my contracts cost me thirty grand to get my uh, course for five hundred bucks, I mean that's nothing. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a that's a good deal. That's a that's a really good deal. So thank you for putting that out there. I want I want both your listeners to understand that forward slash offer. Well, one of them only speaks Arabic, so okay. we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to figure the other one's it's Cantonese. So I'll have to uh, Cantonese. <laughs> Google Translate is gonna have to help me out on this one. But but John, oh, I just you know what you say Cantonese. I got a funny story for you. <laughs> okay, let me let me pause the recording. Yeah, and... pause the recording. Well, Lender Nation. It's probably best if we just fast forward to the end of the show, which is still going to take quite a bit of time because uh, John and I had a little too much fun recording this interview and I don't want to subject you to all of it, but there were some good, there was some good information in between corny jokes. So enjoy the rest of the show. John, I want to thank you for coming on and and sharing your knowledge. Are we we done? Are we done? Yeah, I've got, dude, I got to get back to my day job, man. I still have responsibilities I have to attend to. John, thank you so much. Uh, any, any, any parting wisdom, parting advice or, or jokes? I'll, I'll let it out there. Go ahead, man. Well, um, okay. <clears throat> I know you're going to edit out the one about the prostitute with the appendectomy. So yes. I won't say that one. Thank uh, you. No, I would say, I would say uh, to those that are uh, maybe just starting off uh, in real estate, I would say, um, uh, just do your first deal. Get out there and do something. I don't care if it's driving for dollars. Uh, do something. Get it done. And don't listen to the garbage you hear online as far as like real estate forums and this and that. Um, get in yourself. Get your uh, <clears throat> get your hands is there, get your hands dirty. Is that it? So okay, yeah. Get out there. So just uh, get out there. And do your first deal. Right. Just get take action. Do, take action. Do your first deal. And uh, you don't need money to get involved in real estate. Um, you don't need money. You don't need credit. Just get out there and, and get something going, whether it's a wholesale deal or a lease option deal. And uh, and uh, uh, get out there and get something going, man. All right. <laughs> I mean, like, like, like I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I've done real estate for so long and single family, I'm bored with it. So uh, I think I'm looking, at, uh, I'm looking at multifamily. Well, I don't know a damn thing about multifamily. So I'm spending, a, I'm going to spend about a month learning and then I'll freaking get out there and do something. There you go. That's how, that's how you do it. You educate yeah. and then take action. Yep. 
That's great. Well, John, thanks again for coming on. I'm going to say goodbye, and I, uh, I wish you happy and prosperous investing, and I'll see you the next time I'm in the, uh, the Tarrant County Jail. <laughs> hey, I'll see you tomorrow, man. I'll see you tomorrow in Houston. Yeah, it was 713 RIA. Yeah, I'll see you there. All right, man. All right, Lender Nation. I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I did uh, performing it and conducting it with, with John. It was, um, even, even though I don't do the lease option thing myself, I know it is a very viable method to invest. And like he said, you know, no money, no credit. It's a great way to get into it. Obviously, John has that personality to to make real estate or anything work. I, th- I think you can tell that through the interview. But it's it is uh, since I've met him uh, uh, earlier this year, uh, early in January, and then uh, caught up with him at the Mastermind in Cancun. Uh, I've been picking his brain a little more and more. And I mean, even he said you know, he does some wholesaling. It's not his bread and butter, but he diversifies even within the real estate arena. And he was looking to get into uh, com- or sorry multifamily. So which is the progression I do want to take this podcast. So right now, this first year, we're just going to focus on single family. So if you have any questions uh, about single family, investing, note buying, uh, creating the note, selling the note, whatever, shoot those questions over to info at privatelenderpodcast.com. And I apologize if this is a little subdued, but uh, the kids are in bed right now and I'm a little behind schedule. So with that, I'm going to sign off. Thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing your most valuable asset with me today, your time, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.